The Premier League season is over, but we still have the FA Cup final, the Champions League and Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goalscorer. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. It's official, 15 points ahead of Manchester United in third and 18 points behind Liverpool in first. Manchester City are the most socially distanced finishers in the Premier League's history. I bet you didn't think we'd be starting this week's show with another broken record, did you? Anyway, I'm David Mooney and this is Why Always Us, your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. Plenty of headlines from the final domestic match of the season and on top of that, a legend to say goodbye to as well. So here to help me out with all of that, I've got Sam Lee. Yeah, hello, I'm not the legend, I am the broken record. So, let's <laughs> go on with the quiz. I, I'm not, I'm not going to throw that at you. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's the thing when you're talking about City so often this season. It is all broken record stuff. Um, <laughs> but we'll try and gloss over that and you know talk about David Silver, which is what everybody wants. That's what everyone's here for, isn't it? It is. Right. Well, uh, we're offering the chance for you to try out The Athletic for free as well. There are some great articles on the site right now, including Sam's season review, where he also discusses the signings that are needed to improve City ahead of the new season. Read that and a whole lot more right now by going to theathletic.com forward slash Pod to take advantage of our 30-day free trial. Well, the big headline of the day was David Silver's departure from the Premier League. We're going to get to that shortly, but before we do, um, I just wanted to talk a bit about Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Sam, because he got the assists. Well, he, he got the assists record jointly. Yeah, um, he, he yeah. did feel like it wasn't going to come at a one at one stage, though, didn't it? Um, yeah, but with you know twenty, it was it was, it was probably around the time when there was about twenty twenty five minutes to go, and he did start to think, okay, it's not going to happen. But you, you know that in that kind of period, City can keep creating chances. And it's like in recent games when they've won 5-0, because there's been a lot since the lockdown. I think that was, this was the fifth. Um, they've kind of let off the gas in the last 10-15, but it was only only 2-0. And obviously, everyone wanted Silver to score, which we'll come on to. Um, and obviously, De Bruyne and everybody else wanted De Bruyne to get the assists. So I did, I did feel like there would be enough chances. But yeah, it just kind of goes back to what I tweeted during the Watford game that you know, if De Bruyne wants these assists, he better not give them to Sterling or Jesus. But, I mean, <laughs> t- to be fair, obviously the one he got, he, he put through to to Sterling and and fair play, he, he finished it off. And yeah, I suppose it, it goes into this whole thing that De Bruyne has been complaining about for a while that he's had two assists taken off him by the Premier League. I was, I was going to say, why didn't the Mahrez one count? That's all intents and purposes. He, he's He's got the final touch and he's forced the issue. Yeah, I'm not having that, to be fair. Um, even he's not. You know, he mentioned the Arsenal ones again in his post-match interview, but presumably with the two that he said had been taken off him. Um, at, at the time, I thought he kind of tackled him and and in one movement played it to Mahrez, but he kind of tackled him and the ball went towards goal and then bounced off the heel of the Norwich defender and then went towards Maris. So I'm not really having that one as an assist. And to be fair, I'm not really having the one against Arsenal in the first game back at the restart at the Etihad because that ball was never really getting through to Sterling at the trajectory he played it until it hit 
David Luiz, I don't think. So that one's fine. Um, but the one at Arsenal in December, when it graced, was it Mustafi's heel? I can't remember. Yeah. But it graced somebody's heel, and I don't think it changed much direction at all. And I didn't really realise that deflected crosses weren't ever being put down as assists. Um, so I think that one was a bit harsh. Um, and he probably should have 21. But at the same time, as I kind of wrote the other week, he should have about 30 anyway. Like if his teammates have put the chances away, <laughs> like he shouldn't really be moaning about the Premier League. And to be honest, I'm sure knowing De Bruyne in his jokey yet serious way, he, he probably has had a word with Sterling and, and Jesus a couple of times and probably Aguero and everybody else. There was there was a moment in the first half though where he picked the ball up on the edge of the box and I thought, oh, I wonder, I, I, he's come inside here to, to see yeah. if he can find a better option. And no, he just he, he found the top corner. I, I just was, like, I, I tweeted at the time, he's not going to get any assist records with passes like that. Yeah, I actually thought exactly the same thing because the ball was definitely onto Cancelo, wasn't it? And obviously if he'd have played Cancelo in, Cancelo could have put the ball across the box and then he would have got the assist. And as he dragged it back, I was like, okay, he's obviously going to look for like a floated ball towards the back post or something, or just a way that he could directly contribute to the goal to get the assist himself. And then yeah, he just put it in the top corner. And it was just outrageous. Like even, even the footwork was just, the footwork was so good. The finish was so good. Just like he scores goals that he just kind of laugh. Like they just go in. And he's just like, that is ridiculous. And like the way he didn't celebrate, I saw there was a tweet <laughs> last night. It was like, it reminded him of um, when Michael Jordan, that's when somebody had like kind of affronted Michael Jordan in the last dance. And then you just know it's building up. They're going to show the highlights of the game and he's going to go and score like 60 points or something. And like De Bruyne just had that air about him. The way he just did that footwork and then banged it in the top corner and didn't even bother celebrating. It was, <laughs> it was just so fun. I mean, to, to be fair, rightly so as well, because he probably knows the situation like beating Norwich at the, the last game of the season isn't, with no fans in the stadium, there's probably not much to to actually like show off about, but it's only, like, only he could, I don't know, do something like that and react that way. It just seems uniquely to Bruno. But it was like he was having his own personal goal of the month competition because the second one was just as good. It, like, I, I, I love Again, another ridiculous yeah. one. You just laugh. <laughs> it just goes in and you go, like, it's just a ridiculous finish. Yeah. Uh, at the other end as well, City kept it out for um, a, 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 another time this season, and uh, it 16th, earned sixteenth. Uh, yeah. yeah, it earned uh, Edison the Golden Gloves. Um, but it's 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 really weird, isn't it, that it, that that this season has come down to too many defensive errors, but the goalkeeper gets the record for the most clean sheets. It's really really weird. I I even said that to Guardiola in the press conference. Um, because it, it came up how about how they could get 100 goals. And obviously, I've written in the past, like very recently, about how they've got so many goals, but they're not actually that clinical. Obviously, they, they obviously are good at scoring goals, but not as good as they need to be. Um, and yeah, and like the, the clean sheets one is even weirder because it's like it's not just more goals and everyone, like more clean sheets than even like the champions. Obviously, Burnley were there. And the thing with Burnley is that, you know, Burnley aren't anywhere near the top four, but they had loads of clean sheets because you know you're going to get that from Burnley you'll get a solid defence but in a lot of other games they'll just lose and that'll be it and that's the difference between the 15 I think the Pope got and then the other 23 games be, be only, you know you expect that from Burnley they're going to be solid one week and the next week they'll just lose and they'll end up 10th and that's fine but you don't expect that from City you know if they're getting 16 clean sheets and I think that's I think that's more than in the previous two seasons when they won the title it is um you would expect the other games to be, you know, okay, they've they've conceded one, but they've won two one. But it's just not been the case at all. I, I did have a look at the some stats after the game yesterday, and like, in terms of the goal scoring, I just looked at all the times they'd scored um, four, five, and six in games, and they did that in eleven games, and that was fifty five goals, I think it was, 
Um, so that was 50%, 54% of their goals. So more than half of their goals in 29% of their games, so less than a third of their games. So they, they really bunched those goals together and you've kind of got to look at the other games. Yeah, apart it's not... From, it's, you know, apart from when they scored three and just been like, it wasn't good enough. And that goes hand in hand with the defending. Yeah, it's no use beating Watford 8-0. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh yeah, four, four five, six and eight, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, and like in the other games when they didn't get a clean sheet, um, it was 1.6 goals conceded per game, um, which doesn't doesn't sound a lot, but obviously in there there were issues defensively, and, and like even not not just defensively, but if you look at Edison himself, like you couldn't say that before the the restart in particular that Edison had had a good season there. Like some of those games when City had dropped points. Like the Spurs home draw, which was ridiculous for all sorts of reasons, but he wasn't great for the first goal. In fact, the Spurs away game, he wasn't great for Bergwijn's goal. Um, there's been a few of those where you just think he could have done better with that. Uh, but yeah, he's still got the, the the golden gloves. It's it's so strange, but I do think everybody knows. Like everybody, like nobody's fooled in a way by those statistics. Everybody knows that it just means that City are really good, but. There's there's a lot to improve on, it, but it is it is very weird. Like if you hadn't been following City too closely this season, you would think, well, how does that happen? Or you might be thinking, why why are people still complaining? Or why am I still hyper analysing everything? But at the yeah, end of the day, it's- at the end of the day, it's the Champions League to come, and we'll probably see. Like, are they going to beat Real Madrid five nil? I mean, they might, but I mean, it's I think I think City will get past Madrid, and I'm not trying to get all negative on it, but it it seems to me that it's more likely that they would lose two nil than than beat them 5 no, You know what I mean? Like We're yeah. still going into that Champions League thinking, I'm not sure what we're going to get from this City team. I do think they will get past Madrid just about, but like, I, it's going to be like it's going to be really close and you, you, never, you can never be certain what you're going to get. Yeah, it's, it's almost like those problems are entirely kind of like unquantifiable. You can't put the stats on them because they're, they're just, it, it just doesn't add up properly. Not enough goals, but the top scorers, not enough defensive solidity, but, but the most clean sheets. Um, one, one player that, uh, that did get uh, his best scoring season was Raheem Sterling. Uh, he tweeted after the yeah. game, uh, make that 20. And uh, I, I thought one of, the, one of the first replies was really harsh, I thought, because it was a City fan saying he needs to be more clinical. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't reply to his tweet, especially if I was a City fan. You know, I wouldn't reply to his tweet and say, hold on a minute. But I was actually going to say when he read it out, another example, you know, that's his best goal scoring yeah. season. I think it's Jesus' is his best scoring season. But... The fact remains there should have been more, and like it's it is easy to make that case. To be fair with Sterling, because like the, what was it like between the end of December and basically up until up until um, restart, yeah. shut down. Yeah, he he was just missing a lot of chances. Um, obviously, some of those were like Carabao Cup as well, but there was like a lot of glaring chances. And I suppose even since even since the restart, when he has been scoring goals, there have, have been ones he misses. And like it's again, it's difficult. You don't want to be too critical because. You know, always you look at the goal scorers and the like the big chance conversion or and all this kind of stuff. They normally miss a lot because they're getting a lot, but it is kind of skewed too far the other way with Sterling and Jesus. And in a, in a sense, they're part of the problem. And the problem is they still score loads of goals, but part of it is they they don't score enough. That's the whole team, but those two in particular. And in the article I wrote after the two back to back five nil wins, I think was Newcastle and Brighton which was after the Southampton game when they didn't score any. I looked at that and, you know, Jesus has missed more big chances than anyone else in the league. And I think Sterling, I can't remember now, and it's probably changed, but I think Sterling's might have just about missed more big chances than he scored. Um, and the, the thing with Sterling is, if you think about that Brighton game, he scored that goal from the edge of the box. 
which he put in the bottom corner, which was a really good finish. But it's almost like sometimes he's more likely to score those than the one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is it is hard. Like, I wouldn't... Obviously, I've got to talk about this because it's my job. If I was a City fan, <laughs> I wouldn't reply saying it needs to be more clinical on a day when they just won 5-0. But to be fair, the bloke's got a point. Like, he, he, he does need to be. I'm sure he knows that as well. You know, he said he always used to beat himself up over the ones he misses. I'm sure I'm sure he's a bit more mentally robust now, but he still, it will still know and he'll still challenge himself. And that will be the goal, again, not even going into next season, but going into the Champions League. Well, he needs one more for uh, 100 goals for City. He's, he's averaging a, a, about oh, a goal every really good. Yeah, a, a goal every two and a half games. So it's not it, it's not dreadful, but it's it, I suppose no, it's, no, no, it's, it's, not, it's more the placement of the goals, isn't it? When they get them, and it's the team thing again. Yeah, again, it's like there's some games they just run away with, and he just knew it was going to be five yesterday. And to be honest, it felt like when Jesus scored that one that was offside against Watford, I was like, he just knew it was going to be five because as soon as they get a couple, they do just go on and score five. And obviously it could have been against Watford, but for that offside and a couple of other things. But they do just run away from teams when it's like that. But um, yeah, like I've always said it about Jesus, but I think it applies to Sterling as well. Like if you if you took those times he scored two and you maybe took one off him, but you put it into a big game, like for example, against United this season. I remember saying it about Jesus in December because he got two against Burnley. Um but then when he played United, he missed a couple of sitters and you just think if you just if you just rationed out his goals and spread them out more evenly across the season, he'd be much better off and so would City. And I think that's probably the same for Sterling as well, to be fair. And that uh, 102 goals for City puts them, uh, I think it's in fourth for uh, the list of all-time best Premier League scoring seasons um, because they now occupy, in that list, they now occupy uh, places one, three and four. Uh, only Chelsea have uh, have got into the top four alongside them and their top scorers in seven of the last 10 seasons. Um, yeah. it's just, they're just remarkable numbers. Yeah, and it goes to show as well, I mean, Whenever I talk about, you know, you probably have heard me mention the first season because I, I just talk about City in terms of Guardiola recently. And I mean, that's obviously because it's the whole, you know, the timeline, isn't it? The, the first season wasn't particularly good. And then since then, you know, so everyone's kind of on a par with that and everyone knows. And obviously I covered City. My first season was Pellegrini's last. So I know, clearly I know there was life before Guardiola because of <laughs> the titles and Mancini and everything. Um, but it goes to show that they were still scoring loads of goals, if there was any doubt. And I'm, I'm sure fans, there was no doubt. It, they were scoring loads of goals before Guardiola came in. But again, I suppose it probably goes back to Pellegrini as well. You know, sometimes there's a lot of goals scored. But, you know, after City had won the, the title under Pellegrini and even under Mancini, they weren't really close to doing it again. So it just goes to show that you can score a load of goals and play entertaining football. But clearly, that's not everything. But normally, you would say they need to keep more clean sheets. But this year, they <laughs> kept more clean sheets and it's not been enough either. So, yeah, it is very strange. But it just goes to show kind of the philosophy of the club. And that's exactly why, you know, Cheeky and Soriano wanted to bring in um, Pellegrini instead of Mancini. They wanted to play that kind of football. And that, that is the way they've gone with it. Um, and, you know, you can have a lot, a lot of money and spend a lot of money on your teams, but you're not guaranteed to to play good football. I mean, United are always the easy punch bag there and it's not that, especially after they, they did well to finish third. But it's like United have always been the obvious example of that for the last few years. Like, well, they've got a bigger wage bill than City and they've got really expensive players as well and they're not always guaranteed to play good football. But that is something that City have strived for over the last, what would it be now, seven or eight years. And there you go, you said seven, I think. Um, yeah, seven in they, ten. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, seven and ten, but they, they've done that under the managers they've got. And obviously, to be fair, Mancini, they scored a lot, and they were, you know, really particularly in the in the first title winning season, it very difficult to beat at the Etihad and scored a lot of goals. And you know, even the you know, we'll get on to David Silva in a minute. 
and there's all the talk of Yaya and and company and these like proper legends. But obviously, you know, nobody's forgetting you know Tevez's contributions and Edin Zeko's and even Negredo's contributions in that ridiculous Pellegrini season where they just blew everyone away. Um, there's so many players capable of scoring goals and that haven't achieved ultimate legend status, but have been so important to City. And yeah, that just goes back to that plan of the football they. They want to try and play. And obviously now under Guardiola, it's just, it's that times 100 because that's exactly what Guardiola wants to do. And the players they've got are just phenomenal, really. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the experts in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast get 20% off and free shipping right now by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20 happy shaving now that's almost the perfect lead into this next topic because Kevin De Bruyne's running of the game and his understated nature on the field are almost the perfect way to pick up from David Silva. And if we're talking about unquantifiable things, then that sums up Silva perfectly. His stats don't necessarily reflect his influence on the pitch, especially in the Guardiola era. Um, Sam, I, I saw you tweeted before this game that Silva's final game, well, final Premier League game, had kind of snuck up on us, and it has, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we knew it was coming. And like in terms of collating stuff for an article, knowing it was coming at the end of the season, I have kind of gone along knowing that I have this big David Silver thing to do at some point. But even so, it was just like, shit, that's it. And I think that's partly because there's been so many games in the restart. Like City had 10 games just in the league alone, obviously the two in the FA Cup. And they've been crammed into, was it six weeks? But they've played every like three, four, sometimes every two days, it feels like. Um and you just get used to it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, okay. Um, there is no, you know, I'm, tomorrow night or tonight even, I'm probably going to be looking at the TV going, what game's on? But when it's David Silver as well, it's just that that feeling of, like, it's not just the comfort of, well, there's been a game on every day in the Premier League for the last six weeks. It's like, well, David Silver's been there for 10 years. And all of a sudden, like, those two things have combined. Like, oh, there's no more Premier League on. Oh, oh shit. There's David no more Silver David Silver, yeah. No, it really, like, it really, it really was weird. It did... It did creep up on me, and yeah, I'm sure it was for a lot of players. And I mean, we've I think we've all got used to the fact of Premier League without the fans for now. You know, I don't think anybody's, or if they are saying it, then they're just going about it in their own way. But there's no more arguments about, oh, I can't watch it because there's no fans, it's not the same, or whatever. And I'm sure people still feel that way, but I think everyone's got used to it. All the all the match going City fans, you could probably tell me better, but you know, you, you're watching City on TV, and ultimately, it is what it is. But when it comes to a game like yesterday, you just think that's really shit that you can't have fans in the stadium for that like it's and obviously he'll, he'll have a testimonial I think he'll probably play against like a, a Spanish 11 or something but again you'd want that to be in a full stadium so yeah God knows when that would be and like obviously company had his and it was really good and oh, he was injured ultimately. he didn't play yeah <laughs> um, but like it's just not it's not the same you want to be there for that and you want him to take the mic after the game like Zabaleta had and um yeah, it, it crept up and it, it was no way to go out really. But at the same time, you know, obviously a lot was made of it because it was his last league game. But you'd like to think he's going to have big contributions left in the Champions League. I don't necessarily think he'll start a lot of the big games 
if they you know if they get past Madrid, I don't I don't think he'll start against Madrid. I could be wrong, but I don't think he will. And then if you know whoever they play next, I don't think he'll start in that. But I would like to think he would be able to make an impact off the bench. But we talked about Guardiola subs last week, didn't we? So I don't know. Maybe he'll come on for ten minutes. Whether they're one nil <laughs> up or one nil down, you know, you don't know. But I, I'd, I'd like to think that even though there still won't be fans in the stadium, I would like to think that he, he'd have a, a more, I don't know, a more fitting finale, really. But I'm not sure in this day and age with what's going on, you can. Um, but yeah, it was all just very strange. It was all very strange. Well, obviously, I couldn't be there. Um, the fans couldn't be there. Did, what What was it like when his number went up? Because at that stage in a game, normally if the stadium's full, obviously yeah, the number the number goes up and it's a standing applause. It's it takes ten minutes to get that sub done because just because of the situation. Um, so, what was it like in the empty stadium when when his number went up? Was it was it still like this this emotional feeling? Uh, no. Um, because you, you you feel it all around you. You know, when you're in the press box, you sat next to the fans. And you, you're right. Like, you, it's just a simple way of putting it. I won't waffle on is 55,000 people would have been on their feet applauding him. I'm sure the, uh, the Norwich fans would have been as well. Um, and everyone, you know, there might have been a few tears or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, there wasn't because it's just this weird new... Um, this, this weird new environment we're in. Um, but obviously, all the players, you know, he, he kind of hugs all the players on the way off and when he got to the bench you know he he hugged everyone on the bench um you know Guardiola and and Burrell and Juan Malio on the touchline and all of that and there was that appreciation and there was obviously City like employees in the press box you know like the analysts and stuff and they stood up and applauded him and that so there was that but it wasn't like emotional it was just like just a sh- I just felt sorry for him more than anything because it's, it's no way to go out is it um the substitution I thought was odd. I thought it'd just stay on the pitch the whole time because you just like those substitutions are always for the fans to have their moment and the players to have their moment with the fans. Yeah, so I I thought it was odd, and especially as he had probably have wanted to like he he really wanted to score, which we will get onto. But it looked like he did really want to score from that time in the second half when he did a load of twists and turns in the box with his back to goal and turned and had a shot and Krull saved it. And like normally he would have just passed it, I'm sure. Um, so he did really want to score, and it, it, I, I thought it was a bit odd. Like, if you're going to take him off, you might as well have done it like with a minute to go. Um, maybe it needed to work out with ten minutes to go, so Guardiola could get the subs on. It was Bernardo, wasn't it? Maybe Bernardo will play against Madrid in some capacity. So maybe it was all of that coming in. But I, I thought I didn't think it was a bit odd to take him off. But obviously, it was nice to get that reception from his teammates. But like the whole thing with the with that normally is you, you do it so the crowd can can say thank you like the teammates you'll see them in the dressing room anyway and you'll see them in training for the next however long they're in the Champions League so it was a bit strange but um, a nice moment I guess but just that again like just unavoidably disappointing for him I guess like it's it's not the way anybody would want to do it although do you remember when John Terry went off in the, was it the 26th minute in his last game for Chelsea. Oh, God, How that weird. was weird, yeah. That was weird when it ends. Was it Moises Sunderland like agreed to put the ball out? Just Or where, wherever Moyes was at the time. Might have been West Ham or something. I don't know the first time around. Um, but that was weird. It, it occurred to me going into the game, I was like, he's not going to go off in the 21st minute, is he? I was like, no, there's no chance of that. Maybe if he'd scored by then, I don't know, but it's not going to happen, is it? No. no. Um, I, I can tell you honestly, Sam, um, watching from home, I didn't expect to have the reaction that I did. Um, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, uh, like, I, yeah, it was really weirdly emotional. And I'm not going to lie, I like I, I didn't cry, but I was starting to well up. And I didn't think like, I didn't think watching it on TV would have that effect on me, mm. if, if you know what I mean. I, I thought if I was in the stadium, I'd have been a, I'd been a ball of tears. But I, I just think 
it, it was weird. I was sat on my own watching it on TV in like like just as that as this number went up. And I, it just there was that realization that I'm never actually going to be in the stadium to see him play again for my club in its league. That, you know, I might I'll get to yeah. see him in a friendly or whatever. But like, just the appreciation of everything he's done for the, for this club over the last ten years, and that like the level that he's achieved with City. Not only is he one of the best players that I've ever seen, he's one of the best players that this club has ever had. You know, there's there's the conversation about is he the best player that this club has ever had and, and trying to compare it between eras. But it's knowing that he gave this club the best years of his career when he could have played anywhere and just yeah. not being there to, to, to kind of see it end and to to, to, to kind of give him the, the applause that he deserves. It just honestly, it, it left me crushed by the time that, that he'd gone off the pitch. And, you know, even seeing him on the bench, all smiles with, I think he was with Sterling on the bench and, and they were laughing. It just, like, I, I just, it, it just didn't, like, I, I felt, I, I felt awful and I felt really appreciative at the same time. It was, it was a weird, weird sensation. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing I could possibly add to that. Uh, I'm sure you've summed that up for, for a lot of fans and that's fans, whether they regularly go to the games or, or whether they don't, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad moment. And I've been in enough of those situations. Obviously, the Zabaleta one I mentioned. Um, well, I suppose we didn't really know it was going to be company's last game. Um, but I've been there for the testimonial. Um, uh, Tory as well. And obviously, the, the Aguero one. I, that, I, that's going to break me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the, <laughs> if, I'm, the if we're Aguero back in the stadium one. for that, it's going to kill me. Well, I'm, I'm almost thinking, would he stay around until there, there can be fans? Because that's very much the, you know, he's just such a, a fun guy, Aguero. Um but yeah, so I mean, I've mentioned it a few times, but the thing is, when it is Aguero's time to go, we'll all be expecting him to score. Like, not just wanting him to score, because it would be a fitting way to go out, but like expecting it. And wouldn't be surprised if he scored a hat-trick. But like everyone was like really willing Silver to score yesterday. I was sat in front of the Radio Manchester commentators, and he was like really like hoping he would score. And I, and I was like, I wonder if David Silver's even that bothered himself. And then, like I say, with that turn and shot in the second half, I was like, oh, okay, he is. Yeah, he's but I was thinking like, I was thinking like, it's not, that's not a David Silver way to go. Obviously, it's nice. And if you're a defender and it's your last game, you'd, you'd want to score. You'd want to mark it in a certain way. But that's not, you know, nobody loves David Silver because of the goals he scores. Now, even if he'd have got an assist, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have even said it was a fitting way to go out. Like, if he'd have got a pre-assist, you'd have probably said, oh, yeah, that's David Silver. Or if it that's him like, all over, yeah. Yeah, or if he'd love, you know, running the game. Or even just like, if you had a, a fantastic turn or bit of footwork you could turn into a gif you could be like oh yeah that that's like a, that would have been like a fitting way to go out like, i i didn't i didn't feel like the goal was the be all and end all for him um but yeah clearly he did want to get it and it would have been a nice way to go out but at the end of the day like he's not going out like this won't be and i hope it's not anyway this this shouldn't be the game that people remember as his last you know there's the champions league coming up and he might not be physical enough to play in those big games anymore and if you look back before the lockdown he didn't play against Madrid. He didn't play against Tottenham. He didn't play against Man United. He didn't play against. I don't know. Well, he didn't play against Liverpool even this this time, did he? Since in the restart, I don't think. No, I don't um, he, did. he didn't play before. Um, he didn't. There was a lot of games. Uh, did he even play against Chelsea? He might anyway. But there was a lot of big games against big teams like that, and he, before the restart, and even since that, he's not played against. And I think that that goes to show the kind of decline in the other side of his game. But like I say, he's still got a big impact to make and whatever happens in the Champions League, it's going to be weird in a way. And I was saying this to somebody before the game yesterday, but it's going to be weird in a way because if City don't win the Champions League, there's going to be some kind of inquest, whether it's going to be, oh God, they were unlucky there or, 
oh god, they had forty shots on goal, but somehow lost or whatever. And there's David Silver's not going to be the biggest story, and then it's going to be like, oh, that was also David Silver's last game. So basically, they better have to go and win it. <laughs> but people have been saying for so long, you know, David Silver's been saying for so long, it's the it's the one trophy he wants to get his hands on. And I mean, look, there's going to be clubs, there's going to be players, all the other clubs who are still in it, um, saying, you know, there, there'll be some element of destiny to it. But I was thinking last night, I was like, people have always said that the Champions League is the one trophy he deserves to win or should get his hands on. And you just, I don't know. It, it, like, even if there was no fans in the stadium, it'll just be the the absolute best way to say goodbye to him, really. Like, it would be, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I was going to say the greatest achievement of his career. Um, I suppose it would be. I know he's won the World Cup, but it, it probably com- contributed more to this. But we'll see what happens, I guess. But I do think, yeah, this, is, it, this isn't this this is his last game. You know, the Norwich game wasn't his last game. He, he's he's still got plenty to uh, plenty to offer. It, it would also quash those, uh, any of that discussion of, oh, well, he's never done it in Europe, so he's not a great player. You know, that that kind of nonsense Twitter banter. Yeah, um, I didn't even really realise this was a thing. Oh, it's um, a thing. It gets. Yeah, it's been, it was a wind-up thing yesterday, for sure. Christ. Um, I, I know, I was going to say, I, I didn't realise it until I saw a couple of, a couple of tweets this morning just about oh yeah he's a good player but and I even even some I saw somebody say yesterday like if if you're a City fan and you don't rate Silver you can do one or whatever um, and I, I did see a couple of people replying to that and he was like oh no he's a good player don't get me wrong but not you know he doesn't have any standout moments I mean we're not going to go into all this again no not worthy um, of not not well, worthy I mean, of Jack, time is Jack Pitbrook summed it up really well when we talked about Silver a couple of months ago and also I think I tried to just sum up how. In English football, we're not really used to a player like that. You know, we are used to those standout moments and the blockbuster highlights that you get from Yaya Torre and Aguero and, and even company with his goals. Um, and I think just because, you know, the subtlety of David Silva's game is lost on on you or us as a collective or whatever it might be, that that doesn't mean he's any less of a player. It means kind of we're not cultured enough to, to understand everything he does. And that goes back to that article that I wrote on why he's so important to this City team and why it takes a very particular type of player um, to replace him and Guardiola's lineup for the for the balance he brings and how he plays the game. And there's only Gundogan that's even close to what he does in, in terms of a similar player, but obviously in terms of out-and-out quality, Silva's one of the best around. Yeah, well, so, I mean, when you look at what he's achieved for City and, and that 2012 team in particular, uh, you look at, at like Yaya Toure, Joe Hart, Vincent Company, all got mosaics around uh, the Etihad uh, campus and uh, all had training pitches named after them. Is that a fitting tribute to David Silva? No, I mean, I think he is going to get uh, a training pitch named after him. Um, I think he wants more than that, from what I've heard. Um, and, and why wouldn't you? I, I, I'm not saying he's not going to get anything else, but I'm just saying that wouldn't be enough um, because, you know, Hart and I think certainly Torre are up there in that, you know, the kind of ultimate legends I, I mentioned earlier on. But, you know, David Silver is in that tier where you're talking statue kind of territory. Um, and that for me, that would be Silver, Aguero and company. And I'm just wondering, a lot of people, are, I've seen some tweets about this and they want like a statue of the three of them. But I wonder if City think that would be too similar to the one at United and they'd rather do it their own way and they could maybe have three on different sides of the stadium or in different parts. I don't, I don't know, I'll, I'll, but I think they might think it's too similar to the United one. Um, it would be iconic to have all the, those three together. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with Silva. I've not heard anything about a statue for him. Um, 
I've not heard anything about retiring his number either. And retiring the number, I know, obviously the Jude Bellingham thing. <laughs> but it would, it would make sense. It's him, the, the, it's it's for it's it, a number twenty one. Like it's not like you're retiring the number seven and someone else can get it. It's like anyone can end up with the number twenty one. You don't. It's not like oh, you're buying another winger, so you get the number seven, and that you're just the latest in a long line. The number he's made the number twenty one special, so it's almost like you know, like Jordan's twenty three. Like for City and what it means, you could. You could retire that, I think. But obviously, City have done that with with Foe, and maybe they want to differentiate between, you know, an actual, a proper gesture for something as tragic as what happened to Mark Vivian Foe, and you know, just honouring a player in a different way. So maybe that won't happen either. Um, but yeah, definitely a training pitch. But um, City are going to confirm all the plans after he's actually finished. So after yeah. his last, his proper last game, they'll confirm it. Um, he should get a statue. I'm sure he will. Um, I, in fact, I'm pretty confident to say he will. I don't know that. It's like the transfer stuff. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you this 100, but I'm pretty sure he'll get a statue. I don't think there's any justification for them not doing it, especially like, especially with the 10 years. And that's what I mean. That's what sets him apart from like Torre and Hart. He's been around for for even more of it. He's been there since the the start in terms of trophies, not in terms of the takeover, but in terms of trophies. And he's still there now. Like obviously Torre didn't make that last leap, and Zabaleta didn't make that last leap, but he has, and he's been integral to it all as well. So, yeah, yeah every, every single trophy to... won in the Mansoor era has uh, David Silva's played a part in. That's absolutely yeah. So just give him a statue for sure. Harry's sponsors Why Always Us, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash why always us right now that's harrys.com forward slash why always us as i was watching kind of like the 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 end of the game uh yesterday i I almost felt like it was a fitting end for him in in a strange way because he's never been one to kind of hog the limelight he's never been one to 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 push himself to the front of the you know do you know i mean the the front of the conversation um so he gets this way he gets to kind of get the get the acclaim in the in the last few minutes but he gets to drift off quietly without too much fuss does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he obviously got man of the match as well, which obviously was very symbolic. Um, and I was sat next to John Smith at goal, and he was like, it "Still doesn't mean he's going to do a, pro, a post-match interview." But I mean, he, he did obviously, and he did a, a, a pre-match interview in English before the game. Presumably, that's because he thinks, "Well, they can't ask me to do another one." You know, I'm not going to be here <laughs> next season. He's always kind of stayed away from it and pretended he, does, he doesn't speak English because he just can't be asked doing it and doesn't want to do it. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't want the limelight. And was it? Was it the F? Did he lift the FA Cup? No, no, no. He, he, Cup, yeah, he lifted it? the Carabao, Carabao Cup earlier this season. Yeah, so he lifted the Carabao Cup, and that was the plan beforehand. But he was even reluctant to do that. Like he, he thought he didn't want to do that. So he is like, he does shun the limelight. But at the same time, he has got an ego to him. Like he does, he does feel like he should, he should get a bit of recognition. And like, like I say, I don't. I think he, he himself wants a bit more than just a training pitch um, named after him. And like rightly so, but it's a it's a bit of a weird one because, yeah, he is he is a very quiet guy, he's a very shy guy, and he genuinely you know he's not comfortable lifting trophies or whatever as as the main guy as the captain, but he does think, yeah, keep an eye on this though, lads. Like I I am really good, and you should know this. <laughs> but like fair play, like you can't you can't be that good without it. And it's like it's like De Bruyne. My tweet yesterday when 
when Silva got man of the match, it was I hope De Bruyne is livid. And like, just because you know how competitive he is. Um, but also like, he can do it by having a laugh and a joke as well. I, I'm sure he would have been a bit annoyed. Yeah. Um, let's let's look at, uh, at David Silva's uh, legacy that he's leaving at City because um, he's... He's changed the game for City, hasn't he? That, that there's certainly whatever City have in the years to follow, there'll be there'll be this void that can't be filled. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, obviously the Aguero conversation is one for another day. And like, I think I've decided with Gabriel Jesus now is he's not going to be Aguero's replacement, but he should still be a good player. And like that might be the situation the city are in like in next season i don't i don't think they're going to sign another midfielder so the replacement might be in in one way cuz i think they might change the tactics around a bit but i think it might just be gundogan you know gundogan plays in that role a bit more often maybe or bernardo does and they do a similar role to him and they try and control the game in a similar way but it won't be the same it won't be david silva because they're not as they're not the same bernardo's not the same type of player gundogan is but neither of them are as good at him at what he does. And I think it's going to be the same thing. It, it might be that case where if they do look to replace him, maybe next summer, it will have to be one hell of a signing because you could be the same type of player, which is rare, like, which is what Gundogan is. But to be David Silver level, um, you, you're very unlikely to get, and very incredibly unlikely to get somebody who's going to do it for 10 years. And I think this is the thing with the Aguero debate. Um, to get somebody who's got that smell of goals you may well be able to get in the transfer market, but to get somebody who's going to be there for 10 years, that's not going to happen either. Um, it's, yeah, it's very different. And basically the whole replacement situation, um, nobody's ever going to be able to do what he does for City in terms of how he does it and how well he does it. Um, and obviously, you know, Foden is the heir media-wise, and even Guardiola said he's going to be the heir, but I think that's going to be in different ways. You know, he's not the same type of player as I've covered in this article I've written. Um I suppose uh, that's the challenge for Guardiola though now is is to look at what he's got and change the team around accordingly because the the one thing the one thing that I'll always say for Guardiola is whether it goes right or, or, or whether it goes wrong he is a problem solver he's he he looks at what he's got and tries to come up with the solution and not kind of not blame outside factors. Yeah, that is very true. I wonder because I've been, I've just been told that like, I don't like I don't think they're going to sign somebody to do it. I've just been told it's going to be like Getting and people might have their heads in their hands listening to this if this is how they do go about it. But it's going to be having Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne, and Bernardo, and I'm guessing that that last Bernardo could also be Foden. But having those four in the same midfield at the same time that will help them get the control of the game that Guardiola wants and use the ball quickly because they'd be like squares and diamonds and all sorts that they could use with that. Um, but that goes to show as well, doesn't it? Like you actually need an extra midfielder in. You need you need four men when David Silva's not there because three isn't enough. Uh, and that goes to show how di- how difficult it is to replace him. But it sounds like that's going to be the plan, like I say, to move things around. But that sounds like it goes back to the the first Guardiola season when he was playing three at the back. Um, but he was there was always the extra midfielder, and like it was like it's a bit Gundogan on the right wing at Anfield, isn't it? It's a bit try and get an extra midfielder in at any cost. But then if you do do that, obviously with Bernardo. If if he's dropping off the right wing to come in the midfield, then you haven't got you know you haven't got Mares or or Foden on the right wing for the goal for it. So I don't know. Like you're right in terms of how he solves that problem, how Guardiola solves that, because we're all looking at strengthening the, the defense with new signings and strengthening the attack. You know, with Ferran Torres and maybe another number nine. Um, but if it's not quite right in the midfield, that is going to be something that Guardiola really needs to look at. And that's what I do think they actually need to sign somebody to replace David Silva. I just don't think they're going to. So how they fix that, 
I don't know. I can kind of, I can, I can see that being problematic for them a bit next season. But I suppose if you know, if they're if they're much tighter at the back and they score more goals, it won't be such a problem. But we know, you know, football teams kind of live and die by the midfield, and especially like Guardiola teams. So it will be interesting to see if he gets that balance right um, without Silver. And yeah, there's been a lot of talk of oh, they didn't replace Company this year, but I think that was. As much as he was a big figure in the dressing room, I think that was more like, well, they could have signed another good centre-back and they'd have been all right just on the pitch. Um, but I think we might see David Silva's legacy hanging over a bit more next season because he's going to be a lot harder to replace and a lot more integral to the team in terms of what they need from the replacement. They're going to really hmm, struggle, I guess. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, of his performances over the last 10 years, how much do you think he's changed the game in England? Because I remember when I, re- I remember speaking to um, a, a City fan who was living in Spain at the time who had seen him play for Valencia. And, he, and his, his comment at the time was, uh, he's a great player, but he might get knocked around a bit in England. And then you mm-hmm. look at what he's achieved. It just like it, it seems ludicrous to think that that was ever a thought, given yeah. how, how well he holds himself up. Yeah, well, the handy thing about that is as well that Guardiola said it himself, didn't he? Guardiola said recently that when he was watching from Spain, he was like, oh, yeah, not sure about that. It might not work. And when you think about the Premier League now, in my mind's eye, it felt like the land of the giants. He was like a really physical Chelsea team, like a really big midfield. Even the United team, you know, still under Ferguson, still winning titles, still, you know, they know when they come up against Arsenal or whatever, they could knock them about. Um, who else was good around that time? Basically, just those two, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it, it did. It did, like it was. It did, it did feel like a really, yeah. You know, that was Charlie Adams Premier League. You know what I mean? It was players like that clattering around the midfield, um, and obviously Chelsea had they'd had Deco before that, but you know Deco didn't reproduce his best football over here, and it it was still, uh, yeah, it was like a land of the giants kind of thing, and for him to come, that just kind of shows how not just good he is, but how stubborn he is as well. Obviously tough. But how stubborn? Because if he wasn't, he could have just, he could have left if he didn't like it. I'm sure he would have had offers over the years. Um, but he's he's just really tough. Like he he he's really pissed off about the English refs. Like for years, obviously for years, because he's been here for ten. But he just thinks they're awful. Um, and I, I was it Jack Pitbrook yesterday did a tweet saying he remembers from that his first game at Spurs in the nil nil draw after the World Cup in 2010. Yeah, he got absolutely he got wiped Huddleston. out Huddleston. Yeah, yeah, and he said he, he Jack said he remembers looking at Silver, looking at the ref, thinking how can you let that happen? And he's basically been like that every game for the last ten years because obviously the refing hasn't. Well, it probably has changed over the last ten years, but it's still more permissive than it is in other parts of Europe, isn't it? Um, and even in the Champions League, of course. So. He's just he's just really stubborn, but he's really tough. Like I remember before Guardiola came in, he wasn't really playing too much because he had really bad ankle injuries. I think he was having a Voltarol or something like injected into his ankle. So can I can I it. tell you a confession about that now? I thought he was going to be one of the first players Guardiola shipped out just because really? of that. Yeah, that back end of that season under Pellegrini, he hadn't played particularly well. I, at the time, I didn't realize he was carrying such a such a bad ankle injury. Um, but I, I just thought it, it felt like Guardiola would come in and go, Kevin De Bruyne is the player that I need to get into the number 10 position. David Silva's a great number 10, but he's he's not what he once was. And then lo and behold, look at what he did. For, I mean, he had, he's had his best years under Guardiola. It yeah, show, shows what I'm here and Guardiola's in the dugout, doesn't it? Yeah, well, always. Yeah, that's always, that is always something to bear in mind <laughs> uh, with football managers in general, but especially Guardiola. Uh, I don't remember. I just don't, I don't remember that. Obviously, I've had a few bad takes certainly recently I thought part of the reason he would look really good a big part of the reason he would look really good since the restart is because you know Sane would be there and helping him out um, 
but there was other there was other there's just other things about David Silva and you know things were difficult for City last year they weren't picking through teams quite as well and they all got, got tired and mentally drained or whatever so they're obviously all going to come back from the break looking good and that's why we've seen a bit more of the real David Silva recently but no, I don't I don't I don't really remember going back into it when Guardiola came I remember thinking Joe Hart would have a problem when they were linked with Ter Stegen I was like oh hold on there's trouble coming here um I don't remember thinking that about David Silva at all but I do remember hearing at the time that when Guardiola came in and you know, I think he must have sat down with all the players and explained what he wanted, like it just took David Silva like one conversation. He, he, he obviously, if you think about it now, Silva would have just been like, "Oh yeah, fine. Well, we've been doing that for, you know, we've been doing that with Spain for ten years. I know exactly what to do. I know I can do it. You know I can do it. Let's crack on." But you know, with some of the others, it was a bit more. Oh, okay, we have to adapt here. But obviously, we, we know from how he plays the game. It was tailor made for Guardiola, really. I've got I've got a feeling actually, Silva was Player of the Year that year. I think he was City's Player of the Year in sixteen seventeen, which goes to show just how quickly he adapted to, to Guardiola's style. Yeah, and also in terms of the adapting, the biggest adaptation um, just would have been the work rate. I'm not saying he was lazy before, but in terms of the work rate, and you, you know, with the Guardiola team, you've got to win the ball back high up the pitch. And yes, there's that. You know, there, yes, there are tactical fouls, and he, he he can make them. But it's the fact that it's I'd probably say two thirds of the time there's legal tackles, or at least fifty percent of the time legal tackles to get the ball back, and you know, Silva's been as big a part of that as any over the years. I think he's dipped in that this season. I think that's probably why he doesn't play quite so much in the big games. But if we're talking about his contribution over the four years of Guardiola, that's probably the biggest adaptation he's had to make. Um, but again, it just goes to show, you know, he'd been at City for six years by that point. He kind of mastered the Premier League in terms of the physicality and got used to it. Um, so he was never going to kind of let that challenge get the better of him. And that, again, it just speaks volumes. You need, you need the great mentality to do it. And like, it's easy to say, like with Aguero, because like, Aguero's personality is so much that you think it just comes easy to him. But he does work really hard off the pitch. You know, he does all that research on, on like goalkeepers and and defenders and even other strikers, and that's how he's so good. You know, he's he's not just a born goal scorer in terms of he knows the positions to be in. That's natural. But on top of that, he knows which way the defenders are going to dive or which way the, the sorry which way the goalkeeper is going to dive or which way the defenders will mark him and all this kind of stuff. With David Silva, we don't really kind of know much about his mentality because we don't even know what his personality is like. Whereas Aguero's got this really loud personality, really fun personality. Like Silva just gets his head down and get on with it. And I suppose the other really interesting thing and the, probably the most important thing, I suppose, the best indicator of that, if we're talking about his his contributions at City and especially under Guardiola was obviously in the 100-point season when you know his, his son was born prematurely and he was barely uh, he was barely playing. Obviously, he was missing games. He was in Valencia a lot. He was training. I think he was training at Valencia's training ground. That might be wrong, but he was certainly doing training in in Valencia on his own. Um, and then coming back to Manchester and playing, and he was still like, every time he played, he was still really good. He was still uh, that might have been his best season for City. I think. I think it was. 18. Yeah, I and think it was. Like, and it didn't throw him off his stride whatsoever. And you must know like how. How worried he must have been! How how worried his family must have been! And not just that, but he wasn't training. And we we know about City with the rhythm. You know they trained with that rhythm. You know it's really competitive and all that kind of stuff. He didn't have that, and he still managed to have his best season despite all those challenges. And again, it just goes to show the the character that he's got to go with all the ability that he's always had, and then that stubbornness to kind of toughen up and and boss it in England. I'm going to finish Sam with uh, his numbers because uh, I think I think as much as we said he's not a statistics player they do they do 
deserve airing, I think. Well, he has got a lot um, of assists as well. Yeah, he's, he's, he's played uh, 434 games for City, uh, started 390 and won 290. Um, it just like 77 goals. Like I, my, I think my favourite thing here is that is that he's managed 38 yellow cards because he wow, yeah. he he's somebody who doesn't get booked for the amount of kicking that he can do. Does that make sense? <laughs> He's uh, he's a, he's a player that's not unafraid to go and right or wrong sometimes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And yeah, and uh, in terms of dissent, I wonder how many of those are for dissent. I don't remember any, but knowing <laughs> knowing how he feels about the refs, and he, I remember he did it at Arsenal as well last week in the FA Cup. It just, he just throws his left hand up in the air, like behind his head, as to say, "What the hell are you doing?" Kind of thing. I don't think he oversteps the mark in that, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few of those were for dissent yeah. down the years if he's really bubbled over. Wonderful. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we can add any more. Uh, he's been a great player for City, and uh, and you know what? I'm going to miss him. I'm really going to miss him, mate. Well, yeah. Like again, there's there's nothing else I can add to that really, um, other than you've still got the Champions League to enjoy him, and let's hope he, he has a good contribution. And then, I mean, maybe we'll be talking about it then. And then hopefully, when we can all see each other again, and we can all go to the stadiums, then then he'll have a, a good a good proper send off, and City will honour him in the right way. And as much as missing him, if there's a statue of David Silver outside the Etihad in a couple of years, then it'll be a proper way for, you know, that kind of, I know he's he's going to carry on playing, he's not even retiring, but just a proper way for that City David Silver legacy to live on. Yeah, I, I tweeted it yesterday. I've tried. I, I'm, I am honestly trying to live it like this. It's like it, it's the phrase: "Don't be sad that it's it's over." You know, be glad that you've seen it, and that's that's yeah. kind of what I'm what I'm trying. But it's 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 hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, that's it for this week's Wire Whistles. Uh, you've been listening to Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic with a 30 day free trial by using the code Man City Pod. Mm-hmm.